This episode of Tune on Toast, actually, this season of Tune on Toast is brought to you by Velvet Hammer Music and Management Group. The team at Velvet Hammer manages System of a Down, Corn, Avenged Sevenfold, Alice in Chains, AFI, and Deftones, and they just happen to love this podcast. And they love all the arts and support the arts, and they want people to do well. Bino, the owner of the company, took me to lunch about four weeks ago, and he's like, Stryker, start creating episodes every single week. Have any band, any musician from any genre just do your thing we have your back just be a creator and as a result new tune on toast every single tuesday thanks to velvet hammer music and management group now let's get to the episode your name is striker yes it is that's fire <laughs> wow i love sandwiches it's called tuna on toast i i i spit i don't know what i'm doing i love music and i love those that create it yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker. Thank you for joining us. Kaylee Morg will be on in just a second. This episode gives you an unbelievable opportunity to get to know a very smart, talented, driven, strong, interesting, up-and-coming artist, Kaylee Moore. Kaylee Morg is her name. She's out of Arizona, and currently she has a song with Mike Shinoda, our friend Mike Shinoda, who's been on this show. The track that they did together is called In My Head. It's catchy as can be. It's one of my favorite new songs over the last six months and currently sitting in the top ten. I've actually been a fan of Kaylee Morg for a couple years now. I love her voice. I love the way she writes. And it is so important to me on this podcast or one of my two radio shows I do to continue to support young and up-and-coming artists. It is very difficult out there. If you think young artists, because they have one song in the top 10, are cruising around the country in a giant luxury bus, no, 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 no. Kaylee Moore just got off a, a sold-out tour, and she was in a van with her manager and just, like, you know, driving 12 hours to get to a venue. You set up yourself. You play. It's not a lot of money. It's a lot of hard work. She is so driven. Friendly reminder, if you didn't know, all the episodes are available on my YouTube channel, Tune on Toast with Stryker. This is an independent podcast. I do it from my spare bedroom at home. I've got lights. I've got a couple of cameras. I hit record. And next thing you know, we have an episode that comes out. So let's get to it. Oh, by the way, Kaylee's first full-length album called Girl Next Door is so good. It came out at the end of last year. You can check that out after you listen to this interview. So without any further ado, please welcome to the Tuna on Toast studio, Kaylee Morg. That's your seat right there. We don't mess around the here. The merch here? Yeah. <laughs> I love this no doubt thing you have here. I'm so jealous. I'm like, I wasn't even alive yet. <laughs> I wasn't even alive yet. Oh. So you just got off the road with Maggie, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think 12 days ago. So we're still fixing the sleep schedule. We're still doing that. What was that like being on that particular tour? Because I don't imagine you guys were, or you were in a huge bus. Totally oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, <clears throat> we were in a minivan. <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, it was definitely balling on a budget. But we were, it was so fun because there's also something so, um, I guess just like intimate about that. Like we all are best friends. The crew is incredible. Everyone on Maggie's crew, we're all, we're all best friends now too. So it was just incredible. And also the fans, it was just kind of a natural crossover. So like all the fans, it seemed like even though the shows were already sold out, which is just already amazing to be part of that. Like they really 
took me in with open arms. So it was just really cool. Was, and obviously like watching her set every night, she's just an incredible performer. And it was really like inspiring to see that and want to be there one day, you know, headlining those shows. Right. <laughs> Did it feel like every single night that you got to perform, there was an opportunity for you to win somebody over and oh, then yeah. they go buy your merch and listen to your music and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the grind of being an opener. It's like, I know going into this, there's like some people in the crowd that are there for me and the majority like don't know who I am. They're just waiting for Maggie. So like I view it as kind of this challenge almost. And I'm very uh, talkative on stage. I make jokes. I have a different approach to it. Cause I'm like, why not be candid? Why not be kind of like funny? Um, also just cause I, I don't know how to be this like untouchable pop star. So I'm very awkward and me on stage. And I think, uh, it translated well, uh, it seemed like it did. So I was like, hopefully, yeah, I walk away with some fans cause that's the whole point. You know? And it seems like from my vantage point, and I've been following you and know almost all of your songs very, very well <laughs> that you. you mentally want and professionally want to be on a path mm-hmm. and there's not going to be people out there telling you to go off that particular path. I think, yeah, I definitely, I take criticism for sure because I know I'm one of those people that loves having room to grow and having room to try new things. And like, I mean, as we've seen, I genre bend, I do a lot of different stuff. My hair changes constantly. I'm like, nothing's off limits, but I definitely don't let anything get in the way of like what I want to do. And, um, you know, just kind of having crazy ideas and that also just comes with having a great crew behind the scenes that is like cool you want to have this impulsive decision at 2 a.m let's figure that out <laughs> so uh it's just been i mean it's fun i like it it's always unpredictable <laughs> um the song down with the ship mm-hmm. which i really like i think that's in my top three favorite oh my songs God. i love how you talk about how like you're going off the rails, but then these people are like, it's okay because you're going bananas. It's going to help all of the record sales. I know, yeah. And then you're like, F it, let's light the match. Come on, let's do yeah. this thing right here. I was actually surprised you brought that up because it wasn't a single. Like, it was just an album cut moment. But yeah, that was definitely, like, I was wondering if people, because I don't enunciate super well, so I was like, I hope people hear that line because I love that it's like, there's part of being an artist that's if you're mentally unwell, there's a way of like, <laughs> it's like, this is kind of cool though. Like, I'm totally off my rocker right now and- it's like, I, I don't try to hide it at all. I'm just kind of very open about it. Like I'll tweet stuff. Like I'm just crying because someone forgot my cheeseburger at McDonald's. Right. <laughs> like, right, exactly. I'm very like open about it. And I love that. So Girl Next Door is your first full length album. It's mm-hmm. been out for quite a few months. And I want to know all about the process of getting there. But is it cool if we rewind in your life a little bit? Yeah. Where do you come from? There's a song called Arizona on your album. Are you from Arizona? Yes, I am. I'm from Phoenix. Um, I mean, I was going to, I was trying to go on a tangent there, but Phoenix is kind of just Phoenix. There's like nothing really out there, but I do think that's why I'm very creative. I think it kind of like births a lot of creatives there because there's nothing happening so a lot of my friends made music a lot of my friends were artists and stuff when I was growing up just because the city's very small and it seems like it's very populated and there's a lot of stuff to do but there's just not it's boring so I think we all kind of turn to music and other things to uh just kind of like entertain ourselves <laughs> but right. I love I loved it I think in retrospect like I I loved Phoenix growing up and that's where you went to junior high and high school yeah I was there literally until I got signed I was born and raised within like the same two mile radius. I, I mean, the only thing is it's, you know, it's hot, really, really hot. There. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I liked it. I think whenever I go home now, I have a different appreciation for it for sure. So it's easy to say, oh, there's not a lot to do. Let's all make music. But it's difficult to actually do it and stick to it because people will do mm-hmm. it for like a year and be like, I'm done. 
Yeah. What do you think it is about you mentally and creatively that you stick with this and you're on a perfect trajectory, I believe. It's not like, here I am, and then one week later, I'm 10 out of 10 A-plus celebrity. Like, you're on a nice upward climb Oh, right yeah. I, I really, really am a, a strong believer in artist development. Um, so, I mean, now, like, that's definitely where I'm at. But I think as a kid, though, I always thought that everybody around me was constantly thinking about music, constantly thinking about writing. So for me, when I was in high school and, like, now I'm making songs with my friends, to me, that was just, like, the next step. I think people that viewed it as a hobby maybe didn't always think about it. But since I was mm. five or six, kind of going to first starting song, writing songs when I was eight, like, it was always a part of my life. So I just didn't know any different and I didn't know how to be without it. So I think that's why, like, even if I, you know, took a break from it or I had writer's block, like I always came back to it because I didn't know any different. Um, and I like got my first guitar when I was 10. Every single person on my dad's side knows how to play guitar. It's like, wow. you, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And um, who gave you that guitar? Your dad? My dad. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not going to teach you because you're not going to listen to me. I'm your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but he, so he put me in lessons and uh, I'm not, I'm still not like that great, but it was just kind of a rite of passage. If you're on that side of the family, you have to have a guitar and like be able to play around, you know, the campfire. So, uh, it was just, yeah, it was always part of my life. So I didn't, I couldn't not do it. And then it kind of evolved into making music with my friends in high school. I literally, my first song ever was, uh, produced by this dude that worked with me at Jack in the Box. So it was just, you know, it was an evolution, but I, I really do believe in that kind of slow build. And I didn't want to be this like thing that, you know, amassed a huge following and kind of blew up. Cause I, I just like the longevity of what I'm doing and this following that's been there and seen it from the beginning. Right. Medusa was 2018, I believe. What year was Jack in the Box? Uh, 2017. 2017 <laughs> is Jack in the Box. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Okay. I have 10,000 questions, not about Jack in the Box. <laughs> okay. When your dad gives you the guitar and says, I'm not going to teach you because you're not going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. He got you lessons. What was the first song that you learned? And was it the song you wanted to learn? Yes, actually. So before I did lessons, like the day I got the guitar, I was like, okay, I'm not going to obviously go do lessons on, I think it was Christmas, Christmas day. Right. So I, uh, learned, um, saw red by sublime oh, and with the Gwen Stefani in mm -hmm. there. I mean, I did the acoustic version because the Gwen Stefani one is, you know, it's insane. Right. Um, but I, that and Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, those were my first two songs. And Holy then it evolved macro. into like, Love Story by Taylor Swift, like some of that stuff. Cause I was naturally, you know, I'm a, I was a little girl, but I, I grew up with that music, so it was just meant a lot to me to like do something. That Wait, which my dad music? Would. The Taylor Swift, the Sublime, Gwen, all of it, all of it, all okay. of it. Yeah, the Beatles are my dad's favorite band, so like that was kind of just what I grew up around. Sublime, Red Hot Chili Peppers, no doubt. So uh, that was just like around me constantly, and then eventually, like I got into boy bands and Taylor Swift and all sure. that stuff. <laughs> well, because I'm not saying you, but a lot of times you're in the house and you're 10 to 14 years old, and you're listening mm -hmm. to what your parents are listening to, and then your mind does a little switcheroo, and you're like, I don't want to listen to your music. I need to gravitate yeah. towards my own thing at this time. Yeah, exactly. That kind of happened, but I also like on my own delve deeper into the bands. Cause I, I really loved red hot chili peppers, but I really got into my, like I front to back listened to all the albums and no doubt, obviously once I was around 13, just to like see what songs I liked and not the one that my dad played constantly. Right. Um, so I just dove deeper into the bands and I ended up loving it. And um, obviously like Gwen's been a huge influence since I was 10. I think I actually stole that CD from my grandma and put it on my iPod shuffle. <laughs> Which one? The Tragic Kingdom? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think it, she also had like a No Doubt Greatest Hits. Um, oh. And I put both of them on there with like some like rap stuff that was happening at the time. But it was, yeah, she's been a huge influence. And 
the Beatles for sure. So it's, it's a lot of like rock music. And then my mom listened to like Celine Dion. So I was like, okay, cool. Just a little, you know, a little flavor there. Um, and like the Dixie chicks and stuff. So I got a lot of different stuff that was just happening. I have a huge family. So it was like a lot of different sounds. You have a huge, now you mean brothers and sisters all under one roof? Yes. But also, yeah, I have eight siblings and (laughs) I have, uh, beyond that, like on my mom's side, all my aunts also have six kids. So it's just, it's, it's a lot. And I like, I can't say that I like see all of them constantly, but I definitely my, you know, my immediate family, I see all of them constantly. And like, they're my best friends. I have, I have a hard time like making friends. So my siblings are like, those are my besties. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Kaylee, no one's watching this right now. What are you (laughs) going to do at your next show in Phoenix? When all of these godforsaken relatives you have want backstage passes, does everybody get the A-plus level treatment? So I had a show in October, <laughs> November, actually, of last year, and this was a problem. Okay. Like, <laughs> when I when I tell you, the venue was like, we've never seen this much family at a show before. Like, this is insane. And I'm like, I wasn't kidding. Like, I t- every single time I was talking about the show, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's going to be my family and then, like, 50 normal people. Um, so it was... I, I just kind of had to set the boundary of like, okay, everyone that lived with me growing up, they get backstage. And then everyone else, like, if you want to come, you're welcome. But like, I can't have 50 to 60 people on the guest list. It doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> so it was a lot, but it was really comforting though, because when I was actually performing, um, shout out to the Rebel Lounge, when I was performing on the side stage, it was all my family. So like, I got to kind of see all these fans that were waiting at Barricade and then turn to my left and see my dad and my brother and my mom oh. and my, my little nephew that had little headphones on because he's six. Um, so it was just, so cool. it was really cool. It was comforting. Has it been hard at all to be your true authentic self as crazy as maybe you could be and I mean that in a good way with your family eyeballing you yes um I have a lot of family that is so so supportive and like my stepdad is my biggest fan he texts me literally anytime I'm doing anything he's like good luck you're gonna do great your show's gonna be awesome and I do have some family that's uh kind of like okay like when are you gonna go to college when are you gonna do this and I'm like I kind of just have to stick to my guns I'm on my own path like it's also I think Phoenix sometimes um, I'm not sure like how it seems from the outside looking in. It's kind of a small, small town vibes. Like everyone's kind of married and has kids by the time they're 25. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm approaching 25 and I'm like, no, I'm still going. Like I'm still, you know, running full speed. End doing of my life. Thing. Your song. Yeah. You mentioned that. Oh my God. Yeah. In my twenties, I'm going to be dead. My friends are getting married. Literally. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So <laughs> it's just like, it's kind of this pressure of like seeing everyone else do that and just having to remind myself like, okay, cool. Like I will have that eventually, but that's not my path. And I have to, I have to give myself to this thing, no matter like who's telling me, you know, you need to have a backup plan or you need to do this because if I don't 100% give myself to music, it's like, I'll definitely one day be like, okay, well I didn't fully try and I didn't fully give it my all. So I just have to kind of like let that be that good. But for the most part, my family's very supportive. They, they love me and they're a huge reason that I was even able to move to LA and pursue it. I disagree with the following statement so much when parents or relatives say to their kid, we'll give you one year. No, Mm -hmm. no. Give 25 years. Mm -hmm. If you can't do it in 25 years, then you can go back. And I'm not messing around. I'm serious about that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, and I've seen it with my own eyes over the last 25 years in this business, I've seen so many talented people and then they're done because they didn't put in the effort anymore yeah. and those that continue to put in the yeah. effort they're still doing it to like really or like you good said they'll, they'll give it like three years and they're like okay well like I did my thing I'm like no you didn't like I think actually it's so funny uh no doubt has been like an example for me for that because I think it took them six years to like get 
to their, I think like they got something in the, I don't know what it was, some sort of st- statistic, like it was the top 10 or something like that, but it took them six years to Correct. do that. And they were almost dropped from their record label mm-hmm. because Tragic Kingdom was not even, that was not their debut album. They had this other one out there yeah. and the record label and their manager, they were like, what are we going to do with this yep. band? And same with Lady, Lady Gaga. Like there's a lot of right. people that get dropped. They'll go to two to three different labels. And I don't think that everyone knows that it takes years. Like even Dua Lipa, I don't think people know she was around for a bit before she was Dua Lipa. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really inspiring though to see that. And also people that aren't like, I think it's so cool to see girls that are 16, 17 blowing up, but it's also really cool to see people that are like, 35 getting their number one hit you know what i mean because it's just there's no right time and no wrong time like it's all kind of just whatever works for you as a person whatever stage of life you're in that you're making art that connects with people in a certain way so i'm very much on the you know the development train where i'm just like i would rather do this and like kind of evolve into something and have people be there from the beginning when nothing was happening so i i feel like with the songs that you have written and released I don't think you're necessarily speaking to like my life with them, mm-hmm. but you're doing what all great artists do. I've connected with your music. Mm-hmm. I listen and I can see the person singing these songs and I'm like, I dig this. <laughs> this is very authentic. Thank and you. Of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, it's so funny because when I first started, like, you know, you can hear Medusa and be like, what is that about? Like, that's not about you at all. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. So I think I started actually very much as a storyteller and it was more of my strength to kind of like paint pictures and write these, these stories that I don't even think I understood. And then as time went on, I kind of actually, I kind of went backwards where like I was slowly learning how to talk about me versus like only talking about me in the beginning. I, I didn't know how to like be candid and mm. um, have that conversation. Cause a lot of times, like I have a hard time even verbalizing how I feel out loud in conversation. So I think once I started doing that with my writing and being personal and not afraid to kind of talk about how I'm feeling, it kind of just, uh, you know, I'm, kind of turned into girl next door, which is like the entire thing front to back was like, this is what's happening with me. I think a lot of women and just people in general in their twenties are feeling this. It's such a weird transition point in your life of going from being a teenager to being an adult and feeling so lost at the same time, feeling so hopeful. So I think it was, I don't know, just, I didn't know how else to deal with all of that emotion. And I'm really glad I was able to do that with music because I didn't know how to do that for a while. Right. So your songwriting style changed a little bit Mm -hmm. over the years. And I have to imagine though, even from just two years ago, so much of your brain has changed the way you have experienced life and the way you view life situations. Yeah. So does that give you like the itch to like write 10 more songs super fast? Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm definitely trying to get back into the storytelling elements, like mixing that with my personal stuff because I also miss being super poetic and kind of vague. Like I love something about the uh, mysterious kind of like, no one knows what this is about thing. So I, I kind of try to mix the two or sometimes mm-hmm. I do like pour my heart out. And um, I, like you said, I'm just ever changing. And I think the older I get, the more lessons I've learned. And just as a person, I'm constantly changing. So there's songs even where like the things I'm talking about, like I look back at it and I'm like, that's so funny to think about that time in my life. Cause I'm just so different now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's like, partially maturity thing, partially just like, you know, going through relationships, friendships and learning all these things. And, um, I'm definitely like completely different than I was when I made Medusa. So it's just like interesting that I'm not sure if that's, if that translates to the audience and to people that see me from the outside looking in, but I hope so, because I think, uh, I'm definitely like way more, you know, well-rounded as a human now. <laughs> that's great. 
Um, so what was the moment or moments in 2016, 2017, 2018 that got you from working in Jack in the Box to then you went from there and moved to L.A., right? Yes. So what were some of those things that were going on then? I So that was um, right kind of as a, I was a senior in high school and I started posting covers and stuff like that. I um, I don't know like what I thought was going to happen. I was just like, why not? You know, YouTube was such, there was no like virality really. It was kind of like maybe something will have a moment on YouTube, but there wasn't TikTok. There wasn't any easy way of getting your name out there. And obviously being in Phoenix in this little area of Phoenix where it's like, I don't, I have no connections. I have nobody that I know that I can kind of send music to. I don't have any idea how to do that. I'm 17 years old. Um, so I started just posting covers and then I started, <laughs> I started posting covers of rap songs and it was like, I would play them on piano and do these renditions oh, wow, that okay. were kind of just interesting. And those started kind of having a moment on Twitter, which of all places, which is kind of interesting. Right, right. Um, so I remember like I did like a Gucci Mane one, a Chief Keef one, and then I did a Post Malone one and he saw that and retweeted it. So it was wow. like, okay, cool. Yes. So that kind of started like gaining some steam. And then I was I was literally looking up YouTube beats because I didn't, you know, I don't know that many producers and I found the Medusa one. So I was just kind of like messing around and I had some, I think I had like 16 followers or 16,000 followers on Twitter. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll just, that's a pretty good, that's a it's pretty good. good. Like, you yes. know, I was like, whatever, that's a little start. So I, um, I posted Medusa and was just like, just messing around with this. Like, I don't know what it is. Cause I honestly didn't really even understand like the structure of pop songs and like how to write. I just kind of was, you know, just bullshitting and like oh whatever uh so i put that on twitter and then that got i think like two hundred fifty thousand likes in oh 48 hours God. so that happened and then like through that i met um a manager that led me to my manager then led me to like hey you should come to la and like let's start talking to people so it was just really very very quick so that's scary though i think it was when you're I don't whether you're 18 or 28 and you're in a different city and a manager mm-hmm. is saying, Hey, come out to yeah, Los like Angeles. Fire. So, okay. First question. Were your folks, your dad, was everyone straight away? Cool. Go, go do it. My mom came with me. My mom is like, okay, my nice. mom is my best friend. So she was just like, I, I mean, obviously I just turned 18. I think when that happened, so um, it was very crucial for her to be involved and just like come with me, obviously, because some random man is like fly to L.A. and meet me. So, right. yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> so uh, but he was it was so cool, though, because, you know, it, it was just I mean, now, obviously, I live in L.A. and I'm uh, I love it out here. But like at the time, I'd only been to L.A. a handful of times. So they had us like staying on the Hollywood strip. Like they had uh, us yeah, like, yeah. you know, they had us like up you know it was just very interesting I was like whoa this is very jarring to me and I feel like I wasn't fully ready for all of that because I was like oh my god but it was it was scary but it was really cool and it's a a part of my life that I I'd like to look back on just because I I feel like I was very I don't know everything was just like glorious and beautiful and and crazy to me and uh then I got signed a year later and uh you know we just like rolled with this this EP that kind of fell into place and it was just really cool to like go from literally making songs in my friend's closet (laughs) making songs here in your bedroom is that working once you moved to LA so here in your bedroom was like two or three years after I lived in LA I think it was two years after I lived I moved here um and it that one was more of like I think that was right before COVID hit so I was kind of like going through 
a lot of stuff. I was, I had a lot of life stuff that was happening to me around then. Um, like breakups and I lost someone really close to me and I just was kind of, that's, that was the turning point of learning how to write from a really personal place. Cause I, I literally couldn't do anything else. Like I was like, I need to talk about this in music because I was just in a very, very bad place mentally. Um, but it was, I love that EP because of that, that time in my life. Cause I getting through that made me so much more resilient and strong. And now I'm like, okay, that was such a rough year of my life that like this, I can pretty much do anything now. So the music, I don't know, is 80% therapy for you. 70% 70% oh yeah yeah I mean songs. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think yeah whether sometimes it's almost too honest honestly I'm like I don't know if I can release this right but <laughs> but sometimes like that's the point sometimes I do make songs that I'm like this isn't really for anyone this is for me and I do have like when I tell you I have at least 100 songs that aren't out and like I wow. just some of them I'm like maybe I'll put this out one day rework it reproduce it but a lot of them are just for me. And I think that that's what makes music so special to me because I think it's really hard to keep that feeling when it becomes your job because it's like, okay, I'm making music for other people. I'm trying to appease people. I'm trying to make something that's going to be a hit. And I, I always come from a place where I'm making it for me. Good, um, and I, I'm just like so happy that I haven't lost that yet. So you just got off this sold out tour with Maggie Lindemann, but you do mention in a song that like, being a celebrity and doing all this, I'm paraphrasing, it looks so easy when you're just watching yeah. on TV. You just show up and everyone pays you and mm-hmm. you have 5 million followers on Instagram. So have you found the journey to be, I'm not saying fun or not fun, but challenging? Yeah, I think um, also for some people, I find it so interesting the more artists I meet. Like some people I've met, it's just like they get on stage and they're a rock star and it's like so easy. It's so, it seems like they have this thing just locked down and it's, it's easy to them. And I'm just, I'm one of those people where I started making music because like we were talking about, it's very personal to me and I'm actually very introverted. I I think a lot of artists are, but I'm very, very introverted. I'm very antisocial. Um, like everyone on my crew, like they know, like sometimes I'll just disappear and I'm like, don't talk to me. (laughs) I'm going to be gone for two days. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it was definitely a learning curve for me to be comfortable being seen a lot. And I'm not like, you know, by no means am I like a celebrity, but I think even just having to be present on social media as an artist in this age, like it's, it's very difficult because you have to kind of pick and choose, like, how do I want to be seen? Um, how do I, what do I want to share and what do I want to keep for myself? And that was very challenging for me for a while. Cause I don't, like I said, I, I don't like being too personal, but I also want people to see me and I don't want to be somebody that's just like showing this perfect version of my life that isn't real. So for me, it was just finding the middle ground between being myself and uh, having boundaries there and not seeming, not putting on this front of like everything being perfect and so fun all the time because it's right, not. Right. So, um, but I, I love sharing the good moments with the fans too. Like when we do have these wins, like this song being in Scream, like I feel like because I'm so candid on social media, I had the most amazing, amazing feedback from that. Cause we're like, Oh my God, we know you so well. Like we know how much this means to you. Um, so it's just, I, I love that. And I think like, I'm also just fortunate to have fans that are, they just like, they're all friends. Like I actually talk to a lot of them on a regular basis and it, it feels like not so much like these people that are idolizing me and more like these people that are in this family, the circle with me. That is so, so yeah, it's like I said earlier, I feel connected to your music. And now you <laughs> with this, listen, it may feel you, you're saying it's this big, but when it's huge, it still feels small. Yeah. And yeah. that is so important. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. 
in my head. Mike Shinoda, yes. discreet soundtrack. <laughs> this song is like top 12 or top 13. I'm playing it on my radio show all the mm-hmm, time. Okay, too. here we go. Mike Shinoda's been on Tune on Toast, by the way. He's been right in that chair. Mm-hmm. Um, who called who to get this song going? So Mike texted me. It's actually so funny because I changed my phone number last year and he's like <laughs> messaged me on Instagram like, hey, I've been trying to reach you about this thing. And I'm like, dude, like in retrospect, I'm like, they, I'm oh. so glad that he like went that extra step because he could have just been like, OK, like did she like change her number or whatever? I'll just ask someone else. But um, he yeah, he just messaged me on Instagram. I was like, I have this opportunity. And then I sent him my number and he was like. Yeah, so I have this song with Demi Lovato and Scream, right. and we're looking for another vocalist for this other song. Like, we don't know for sure if it's going to be in the movie, but let's just try it. Um, and like, I was just kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I'll come over sure. Um, but I was freaking out. I was like, I literally, yeah, I texted my manager and I was just like, oh my god. But uh, so I went over to his house and I've been there before. We'd met briefly. Um, you know, he he does a really good job of kind of keeping up with what people like that are as far as like up, up and coming artists, he yes. does research a lot to see like what's happening in the scene, what people think are is cool. And like, I, I just really love that he does that because I think, I don't know, there's a lot of like really big artists and people that wouldn't put that effort in. So for him to put me on the song versus someone that like would have, you know, been bigger than me or just like a better fit as far as, um, you know, following, like it was just cool that he, knew I had done scream inspired stuff and like really wanted me for it. So, but anyway, so yeah, I went to his house, we did the vocals. He literally made me scream, uh, for like, I mean, no pun intended, but for yeah. so long and he was just like, just go for it. Like we were just doing vocals for so long. I almost lost my voice and, um, it was just, it so was he's really giving cool. you direction when you're doing the song. Yeah. Is that hard to take direction or easy to take direction? Well, it's easy for me. I'm not sure like how, I'm not sure how everyone does vocals, but I was in choir for years. So I know like, okay, try it this way. Or like, and I also love personally when I do my sessions, when the producer has vocal notes and stuff, because I like, I'm trying to do the best version of what my voice can do. So if Mike's telling me like, do this, or maybe like change your mouth shape, kind of say it like this, or just these little tweaks that I don't think, I don't think people, yeah, we have a little BTS video that's out and it's really cool, but it's just interesting that, uh, it seems like cool. This is a, a little bot, but like behind the scenes, there was all these little tweaks and these little moments to like make it uh, like some weird tucked away harmony. It's like it needs to be perfect, and the vowel needs to be rounded out in this way. So it was just very inspiring to have that experience with someone that's so accomplished and like right. have him tweak it because it gave me these notes now where I'm like, okay, cool. Like when I'm singing to do this or these little tips that will help me on my own too. And the movie is huge, and your song's right there in the beginning I know. of it, and there you are. So, I, I had oh no God. idea, too. Like, I remember asking, I was like, okay, so it's in the beginning, but, like, is yeah. it is it just, like, the <laughs> instrumental? Like, it's like, you, see, you know, I sing, like, I sing the hook mainly, so I was like, okay, yes. like, what part of the song is it? I don't know what to expect, so I just... Um, went to this little streaming. We did this little event with uh, for the Lincoln Park fans and some of my fans, and that was the first time I'd seen it, which is also just cool to be with all the fans seeing it for the first time. Oh, I saw that footage. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, it was yeah, really was fun, cool. yeah. and I like so I didn't know what to expect, and then literally like the opening scene happens, iconic. Which by the way, there could not be a more perfect movie to be in the beginning of you know have a Absolutely. song in the beginning of the movie, right? And then like you know obviously after when the scream logo comes on, it's me singing in my head. So I was like. Like I was literally in my chair, like, like I can't breathe. Um, so I, and I didn't know that that was going to, it was going to be there. So I was just like, it was, I almost forgot. Cause that opening sequence is so compelling. Like I almost forgot I was watching this movie that my voice is going to be. And so I heard my voice on that, you know, opening sequence and I was like, this is insane. And then obviously 
there's also, uh, it plays again in the credits. So it's just like, I don't know, it was so surreal because I, I love Scream. It's my favorite, uh, is that your favorite? Fr- it is it's really? my favorite horror franchise of okay. all time. And I'm like, I'm a horror buff. And this is why Mike asked me to do it because I did an entire music video inspired by Scream. It was for end of my life. Um, so I like, I genuinely love horror movies. I love Scream. So it was just, it, it was a cool moment to watch a movie that I would have been waiting to see anyways. I would have been, you know, like front row uh and to hear my song with mike in it it was was just like a very surreal moment and i still congratulations soaking it in so (laughs) exciting thank you so exciting um better mask from a horror movie the ghost face that's how you call it ghost face mike myers well okay so here's the dilemma here so there's some good michael myers masks and there's some bad ones so I think it just depends. Let's I go think, the first one. You were you were twenty years from being born when the first one came oh, out. Oh yeah. I think well the first one's classic. I think it's yes. very there's something very off putting about it, but I do love um like the Rob Zombie Michael Myers are yes. so terrifying. Like I love something about like the roughed up Michael Myers masks too. Right. But there's something what I love about the ghost face mask is that anybody can be ghost face. It's so easy to just like every you know, party said every store has it and it's a very easy costume and it's just, I don't know. It's so cool. Cause there's, you can definitely mess up a Michael Myers mask and a ghost face mask is just classic and you can't go wrong. Right. So I don't know. I, I love both of them, but I, I do have like a soft spot. Cause I love that ghost face. Part of the fun of watching scream is like trying to figure out who it is, you know? Yes. So I love that there's that added element of like this, like who done it when you're watching right. scream. It's so fun. Right. Um, I love Mike Myers, not because of the mask, but I appreciated his like onesie outfit mm-hmm. that he wore, that blue, I forgot, I don't know how you call it, but like, I'm like, this guy's got a station wagon that he's driving around <laughs> in, he's got a one-piece jumpsuit mm-hmm. on, this mask on, I mean, I would maybe date him back then, very strong, he would protect me I was going to say, he's like tall, he's built. Yeah, I mean, all yeah, that's no, right there He's for brooding. Me. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, I, there's something cool about michael myers that's i was gonna say i love scream and then halloween they're kind of like both up there for me so i think there's something cool about the michael myers lore and how he's uh he is like this silent kind of killer and it's very creepy for sure uh have you ever seen any of the friday the 13th movies yes okay yeah i friday the 13th to me is more of that kind of like guilty pleasure like it's so stupid that it's funny like and i'm just like i love it so much i love the gore i love uh like do you ever see freddy versus jason yes yes so good i love great. it yes because I, I love um nightmare on Elm street me also too. me too i think there's i love how i just love horror comedy horror so like i think it's really interesting to blend those things where and i love evil dead like i which there's the new one out i need to see that but uh yeah i just i really love horror and i think there's like a lot of different niches of what makes certain movies cool but i love all of it so is silence of the lambs scary to you okay um confession i haven't seen silence of the lambs okay no problem it's very very, you know what i also haven't seen um is texas chainsaw massacre i need to see it that's be right up your alley. I know, I've seen the new, I Silence saw the new the one, Lambs. and I didn't see the old one, old okay. one, so I have to see that. But I, I think there's something about those old movies like I just like skipped over them and went straight to like '80s slashers going into '90s slashers because right. I love slashers particularly. So I think I was just kind of like doing my homework on those. Um, but I definitely need to get more into those. Okay, what about um, Poltergeist? 
Have you seen Poltergeist? No, see. That's right. I know. These are, you're I schooling mean, me. But if I was 28 years old and someone was asking me questions, they'd be like, have you seen this movie from 1958? I'd be like, no. It's like the – so these are really old movies, but I they are so freaking good. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some of like the Hitchcock movies and stuff, so I've seen some yeah, classics. Really like, you know what I mean? That's from like, the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's this house that's haunted with ghost finder. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, yeah. Poltergeist, no, I need to – You got to see those. I got to dive back in. <laughs> so, okay, Kaylee, we're getting close to wrapping up. What's your plan the next four weeks to nine months professionally? Oh, we're working on new music. We're figuring out what the new project is. I have a lot of, like I was saying, I want to dive back into storytelling. I really want to do something that has a cool concept to it. I know with Girl Next Door, we did plenty of videos. We did a lot of uh, stuff like, I mean, End of My Life was such a highlight for me of that album. I want to do more stuff like that. So we're definitely looking to do stuff that just has really great concepts and visuals because I'm really leaning into that part of my artistry as well. Yeah. Uh, so putting together whatever that new album is, talking about girlhood in a different way. Um, and then obviously I want to do more shows. So I'm like, come fall. Let's, you know, I want to figure something out then. And well, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll when see. you're doing live shows, what's on stage? Who's on stage with you? How many people? What's so that like? So right now it's just me and my drummer, which she's cool. badass. She's so, so talented. Um, obviously I want to have a full band and I think, uh, we're working towards that. So we'd definitely love to add. I, I also love the symmetry of like me and a drummer and a guitarist. So I want to definitely do that. Um, we want to have like, I have this idea, this vision of like, you know, once we're really up there, I want to do like, I want to build sets on stage. I want to make it an artistic experience. So I think, uh, you know, once we get there, it'll be pretty, uh, more like a performance piece, a performance art thing than, uh, than a show really. But uh, for now, yeah, it's me and my my drummer Molly, and she's insane. <laughs> do you know who Bishop Briggs is? Mm-hmm. I think you and Bishop would make a do one song together, and it would be so. It's so funny because I I good. saw her. Oh, I think it was Bumbershoot or Outside Lens. I don't remember which one. I saw her live, and I was just like, her voice is incredible. Also, sometimes I see certain people, and I'm like. I feel like we would be friends. And like, she gives me that vibe. I'm getting that vibe too. Like yeah. Go into a room and nine hours later, you'd be like, here's a song for everybody. And yeah. Then be really, really yeah. We'll definitely have that. to, we'll definitely have to like, you know, see about that. Cause I really do love her. And I think she's very talented. Uh, quickly, your favorite, no doubt songs. When I say no doubt. Oh, you know what I did? Um, Sunday morning. I did a cover on that of that for tour for a long time. Cool. I love that song. I have so many favorites. I really like, um, suspended, suspended without suspense without what is it suspension whatever Kate, whatever that song yeah, is yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. i listen to it all the time i know songs more by like the first chord will play and i know every single word <laughs> like, do you know the song new you're so yeah new, new. Oh god ex-girlfriend yep, yeah i like yeah. all of these i i really like it was my entire childhood oh you know suspension without suspense that's what it's called it's really really good okay <laughs> all right um if you could collaborate with some people that you've never even met in your life and you're going to go into a studio, who do you got for me? Oh, like dream vibes. Uh, I love Miley Cyrus. That's my, like one of my favorite artists of all time. She's been my favorite artist since I was really? nine. Right. Uh, it was a huge reason I even did music. Really? Yeah. Cause I mean, at every, that kind of era, like I was, when I was a little girl to see Hannah Montana, like I was like that, I want to be her. And then to see her evolve into Miley, like now I think oh, that last album she put out is just, it's, I mean, we played that on tour all the time. Like she's just very, very talented. And I, I love her voice. A I think plus talent. I think she's just, um, underrated as a vocalist. I think like she has this, such a unique rock tone. It's, it's oh, really sure. cool. I love her. Obviously Gwen, that's my queen. I saw her in Vegas and I think she waved at me. <laughs> um, so I'm like, uh, I love Avril. I also like, I really love surprisingly. I love country. I don't know if a lot of people know this. Like I would love to work with Casey Musgraves, Kelsey Ballerini. I think that they're really awesome. 
Um, I have so many people. I'm like, it's that's a great list right there. Yeah, that's a good list. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate that you came over to the house. You didn't bring your mom. She felt safe enough to allow you to come over to my strange man's house and sit in his guest bedroom. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Keep up the great work. Keep that eye of the tiger and the fire inside. And you got a lot of people that are cheering you on. Thank you for being on. All right, that's another episode of Tuna on Toast. Make sure to go listen to the album Front to Back, uh, Girl Next Door. She is Kaylee Morg, and I'm Ted Stryker. Thanks for watching. Happy snuggles. (laughs) Bye-bye. That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure.